0: And welcome to uh, another edition of season two, our first edition of City View with Mayor Tom Koch. You can find this podcast at Podcast Quincy, wherever you get your podcasts. And I'm thrilled to be in uh, the mayor's office where this is now the longest, the mayor has, it's, this is the longest mayor. In the history of the city of Quincy as of 10 a.m. on Monday longest morning. Longest serving. Longest serving <laughs> mayor. <laughs> Not the longest. I'm probably the shortest. The longest serving mayor <laughs> oh, in the history a than of the city of Quincy, Mayor Thomas P. Coke. Mayor, congratulations. What a great uh, inauguration and everything else. And the ball and the inauguration itself was fantastic. Uh, it was
1: a great day Monday, um, and I'm grateful. I say it all the time, but I mean it. I'm very sincere. I'm grateful to the voters and residents of Quincy for giving me this great opportunity. It's been a privilege to serve. I mean, there's no better city in the Commonwealth or uh, anywhere, in my opinion, uh, than Quincy, Massachusetts. Uh, so, um, again, thank you to everybody, and uh, we're starting off the new year. So, happy New Year, to everybody! Happy 2020. Did you ever think? Did you ever think when you think when you were a kid, when you look
0: at 2000, we thought we'd be seeing flying cars? And yeah, you think of the Jetsons, 20? right? When we were growing
1: up, you watch the Jetsons. Man,
0: my grandmother was born in the teens, you know, 19. My grandfather was born in 1893, and I'm not that old. So, so
1: you're getting there. Yeah, well, well you just look older.
0: But this is 2020. This is an amazing time—the Roaring Twenties. The Roaring Twenties. Let's hope it's pretty, uh, pretty even-keeled. So let's hope it doesn't end like the uh, the 1920s. No, let's let's hope it doesn't. We have lots to talk about today. We want to dig into some of the things that you said in your inauguration uh, inaugural speech. Uh, very exciting, bold things that you said. And let's start with Quincy College, a new a new home for Quincy College, if you will.
1: Well, let me first say this, Mark, that you know. An inauguration speech is really to set forth the vision. It's to set forth an agenda going forward. And, you know, that's, that's part of the role of being the chief executive and the mayor of the city. So, and I take that seriously. So we talked about some big themes on Monday. And they're not easy. They're going to be hard. They're going to be challenging. And uh, there's going to be disagreement. That's okay. You know, we, we were always taught growing up, dream big, think big. And uh, that's what we're doing. I, this city has grown tremendously in many, many ways. And I I used the term the other day that we've we've matured in many ways. And, and I think we are ready to take the next step on what we talked about. <clears throat> the first thing we did talk about was the college, Quincy College, the importance of our college to the city. It started over 60 years ago now by the city, almost in a sense, it was kind of like grade 13, 14 for the younger people that weren't quite sure what they wanted to do, but wanted to continue their studies and build credits, and then, of course, get an associate degree, and then they could move on to a four-year institution uh, transferring those credits. So it's come a long way. It's had uh, its had its ups and downs, like every institution's had some challenges, and thankfully, we have the accreditation program back for the nursing program over there. I should say the, the nursing program is back and duly accredited now. It, it, it went on warning, and then it was suspended for a period of time a few years ago. And uh, so, you know, uh, it's gone through some ups and downs, but it is a an amazing place. In fact, I mentioned it on Monday. Georgetown University did a study, and the result of that study showed that Quincy College was number one in all of New England for return on investment for two year institutions. What does that mean? That means a kid going to Quincy College, a very affordable tuition, has a better opportunity coming out of there uh, on a salary in return for that investment they made in their education. That's remarkable, Mark. Right next door, Quincy College. Noted by Georgetown as number one in New England. It's amazing. Um, That's good stuff. So there's good things happening over there. Now, this college, like every other college, is facing some challenges. Uh, And I say every other college meaning the small to mid-sized colleges. There's less kids today for more seats. There's too many seats to fill in a lot of these colleges. So a lot of them are going through exercises now. How do they compete? Um, I know there's been some smaller colleges that have closed. Mount um, yeah. Ida, as right, an sure. example, uh, in Massachusetts. I think there's one or two in New Hampshire that have closed. Mm-hmm. We're seeing some more mergers. They have to adjust to the reality of the demographics. Having said that, as you know, I was interim president over there for a period of time to help make some major changes to stop the bleeding at the time, uh, to stabilize finances and to continue to move it forward. And we've got a very hard-working College Board of Governors. Paul Barbadero is the chair a uh, number of great people on the board, and uh, that worked very, very hard on it. And we've got some good people over there. Daniel Esquino is now the interim college president. He'll be there till June. He was, uh, he's been a long time history in in college world. He was a college president for like thirty years at Wachusett. A lot of good things happening there, but you know, between the nursing program effect and and the, just the demographic challenges, so the colleges have some. Now, looking back, I, I think the college has made some missteps. I think that um, they had way too much space than they needed, so they kept leasing additional space, getting locked into these leases, which you know cost X amount of dollars. So, so we're looking at all of that, but as we you know work our way through those issues, the major issue, in my opinion, is that they need a place of their own. Today, they're at President's Place, which is a nice spot. It's right outside of Quincy's. Beautiful Center T Station. It's a nice building, but it's commercial office space. It's not an educational building. And they're in they're a tenant at President's Place. So when you say, where's Quincy College? You say, oh, in President's Place. Prior to them going there, they were at the old Kemper Insurance Building in North Quincy. Prior to that, they were sprinkled in different office buildings around the downtown area. And there's a couple things that, that are problematic for that. One is... You beholden to the owner of the building. Your president's place tomorrow said, we don't want to renew your lease. What where does the college go with 100,000 square feet? Where do they go? Near a T station and narrow it down even further. Number one. Number two is every year they're you know, they up on the lease. They're paying more money per square foot. For purposes of longevity, continuity, I think the college is really has to put roots down. And so I proposed on Monday that we build a new building Right next door here to the Hancock Adams Common, the smaller Monroe building, which is a nice, charming little building, but it's old and tired, and uh, it's not really uh, keeping up with the value uh, of the downtown. The idea there was to take that, buy it, help those businesses that are there move into other locations, then demolish the building and build a 14- or 15-story building that would be split in two ways. So the first four or five stories would be city offices, that all of those city offices that are in the glass building and in some other places in and around the city, we'd go into this building. And then the upper floors, eight or nine floors, upper stories would be Quincy College, classroom spaces. Think about this. This would be all space designed specifically for educational purposes. Perfect, yeah. So we'd have separate entrances, separate elevator banks, but we could also have shared spaces that both the city or college could use together. At the end of the day, I want to remind people that the college is owned by the city. If the college went, closed their doors tomorrow, the city of Quincy inherits all the debt. So, you know, the liability in the pension,
0: liability in the
1: leases, unemployment costs, all that stuff we would incur on the city side. So I want to make it clear, the college is owned by the city of Quincy, and I'm proud of that, by the way. Many over the years talked about that, you know, the city maybe shouldn't be in the college business, that you know that's a that's a negative um and um quite frankly the college couldn't be building a building on their own because they don't have the assets to do that so what an advantage for them to be in a brand new building and what makes this deal work so well i think for the college is now we will agree to a number that they will pay in rent that rent never goes up mark
0: yeah that's right that correct. rent
1: really comes to the city to offset the debt payment on building the building right so, think about that. 25 years out, you're paying the same rent every month. I mean, who wouldn't want that, right? Of course, yeah. So, for budgeting and modeling purposes, it's absolutely ideal for the college to have a situation like that. Number one, a brand new educational space. For the first time, they'll be using educational space instead of back office uh, setup. Right at the front door of the Quincy Center MBTA station. Right there. Right on the edge of the Hancock Adams common, this beautiful campus. Campus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then, of course, in a very thriving downtown Quincy now that so much is going on and happening right in the middle of it all. So So let's talk about that glass building piece, too.
0: Let's come back to that. I mean, because those are obviously great points. The the rent is the biggest thing, really, when it comes to where
1: they're going to, they'll have a home. But you talked about the glass building, the building that we're sitting in right now. That's correct, which was built in the late 70s. Uh, Grant was... Uh, received by uh, Joe Lorray was the mayor, got a federal grant to build this building. There's a lot of controversy at the time with the, what people thought of it. It has that refi- reflective glass. The idea the architect has was the new reflecting the old. You know, quite frank, I don't think it ever worked, truthfully, in that regard. You know, I think it's a poor stepchild next to the beautiful granite building. Well, that's the thing. It's right the next old to that hall. old town hall. Yeah. Correct. Now, when we renovated the old town hall. It was all renovated with the anticipation if this building ever went away, it's completely independent. It has its own heating systems. Everything is separate. So that will continue to, to be uh, in play. The glass building would come down. Now, I want to I remind people that if we didn't do this over the next five years, the glass building is going to need a new roof, all new HVAC systems, a fire suppression system, a new elevator, and the glass windows are starting to fail all around the building. So when you start to think about the millions of dollars you're gonna to have to spend on still having an old 1970s building that's inefficient energy wise and otherwise, do we take those capital dollars and invest them into a newer building that will have a hundred year life rather than what what we're dealing with right now? Right, right. Which I think makes perfect sense. Then we can take down this old building. Now some of it would go to the park and the rest would go to. The other thing I talked about on Monday, which would provide <laughs> which is some... really exciting. Let's move into that piece. Yeah, that's, now, yeah. now we're going into your world, yeah, Mr. Dick right. and Jane. I'm really excited. Uh, um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so we've talked about, uh, I know we've talked about it on this on this uh, podcast as well, and we've talked about it publicly, the whole Quincy 400 initiative, which is a exercise we're going through now with a lot of residents that, you know, and the whole theme is where do we want to be? What do we want to look like as a city in 2025, which is the 400th anniversary of us as a settlement? So having said that, you know, all of the surveys, all of the meetings, the common theme kept coming up. People want to see a performing arts center. Now, there's many different definitions of that. We can get into that, Mark, as you know. But uh, a place that people could go and maybe see a movie, maybe go to a concert, maybe see a comedian, maybe see some great artwork, maybe uh, see a great dance show. Or a play. Uh, A theater, a play, correct. Yeah. All those things. There's no place for that in Quincy. The trick on that is how do we do it that – it can sustain itself going forward because we all want to be part of this. And, the, and some of the same people that say I support that wouldn't be happy about supporting it with their taxes. So it's a bit of a challenge. Um, however, you know, when you look at what's going on in the city and how far we've come and how we've matured as a city, incredible historic assets we have, the architectural assets we have, the cultural assets we have. This is kind of the the next logical step. It's really the the icing on the cake, if you will, to have this kind of a we were a city of 100,000. We're right next to Boston. We're part of the metropolitan Boston area. And quite frankly, we're the gateway to the South Shore. And one would argue the capital of the South Shore. So this makes a lot of sense. Uh, so we pick up the real estate. The glass building comes down. We pick up that real estate. Again, a portion gets uh, put into the park. And then a portion of the footprint along with the parking lot that was behind it. And then span over the tracks, to Bergen Parkway. Which is the big piece. Beautiful. Which is a big piece using space that otherwise couldn't be used over the tracks. And we build a new facility that could be, um, you know, maybe one floor, maybe two floors, maybe two and a half floors. But uh, we're not going through that exercise, which is a whole nother ball game, And that's when you get into the weeds. That's the devils in the details mm-hmm. uh, that we're going through that process right. now. So, uh, and I should mention, you know, we have, as you know, we have a committee that you've been serving on along with some other staff members, uh, Laurie O'Connell, uh resident and business person who's chairing that for us a group of people that are interested in the arts who have been coming together, meeting, to talk a little bit about, and as you remember the first meeting, Mark, I said, I don't want you to worry about costs and I don't want you to worry about location. Just talk about program. What are the parameters we should be looking at and the facilities, the venues within the venue. Sustainable building. That's correct. That's correct. It has to be sustainable. It has to pay for itself over time. Uh, It's going to need help to get started, obviously, uh, to get built, but we can't subsidize the operation. We can subsidize the construction of it. Um, so, so that, you know, I appreciate the work of, of that committee and that group, uh, Laurie for leading that effort and we'll incorporate all of those ideas and, and shake everything up and throw all the ingredients and see what we come up with. as you, as you know, we've had a couple of meetings uh, with a party that, uh, we're not going to identify at this time, but who has a great interest, great background and, um, has some money that would like to perhaps participate with us in constructing a state of the art, beautiful spot. For such a venue. So I think this has some great, great potential. I think it brings us to a whole nother level. Again, we talk about maturity as a community. We've got people living in the downtown now, we've got some incredible restaurants and beautiful public spaces. You know, you you forget too about some of the basics. Um, you know, the headquarters of the Stop and Shop is right next door, the 1,400 people working there. That's right. Quincy Mutual Insurance, we've got several hundred people yeah. at their corporate headquarters over on Washington Street. I mean, it could go on and on. Uh, and, and corporations love this type of venue because they would use it as a venue for many corporate events. Um, well, that's
0: it. Sure. So full sustainability of a place like this means whether it's functions during the day, at night, or that's all right. different that's besides right. the theater and movies and everything else. Would it would be? It would be yes. Yeah, so,
1: so you know, we're looking at a venue that perhaps um, you know has could have a thousand or twelve hundred seats in it, where you have a comedian or a couple of comedians. You have a couple of nights doing doing that brings it in. Perhaps you have a movie night and there's some special. Shows a certain film yeah. festival that sure. kind of thing. Um, it's this and that's the beauty of the discussions we're having is if you tie something in that, so you do have something on every night and every day that's bringing revenue in that helps to pay the bills. Um, that's the key here. Uh, and a home so, for Quincy Symphony Orchestra and the amen. Quincy Choral Society. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Two incredible local nonprofit groups that just are so incredibly talented. They've been around a long time, decades. That are
0: practicing in Milton. Right. Well,
1: um, exactly. yeah, I mean, the concerts, some of them are at, um, you know, we've used Quincy High, we've right. used other other locations, but to have a venue built specifically for that kind of a, a concert is 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 going to be incredible. Mm-hmm. Just it just embellishes that experience so much more, you know. So yeah, there's so many so many great things that could happen here. You know, perhaps down the road, Quincy College, starts a a course relating to um, you know uh, the arts, the oh, theater. Yeah. Sure. Uh, you know, so there's all kinds of potential. Um, ENC holds plays at their college down the street. Um, perhaps a venue they may want to use. Sure. Uh, you know, we mentioned. Some of the corporate, we have State Street South in the Quincy. We have Granite Telecommunications and R. Bellar and so many others that probably yeah. would avail themselves to use the facility as well. So sure. great potential, uh, but we're early on. This is just the start of the mm-hmm. discussion. And then, of course, the third piece. is, And the third piece, of course, is what we talked about,
0: what, what has been talked about in this city for decades, for maybe some sort of a national monument to, to John Adams or library to John Adams in D.C., but really nothing's existed here. And talk a little bit about how you, what you shared in your inaugural speech on that.
1: Well, sure. For, I mean, for those that may forget, John Adams was from, you know, Quincy. <laughs> and um, just in case he you lived know, here folks. he was born here he lived here and he's buried here i mean it's remarkable um you know the the old house on Adams street you got the birthplaces over on franklin street and you got the crypts here at the church and a lot of other things in between and adams is one of the greatest um contributing founding fathers of our nation absolutely incredible mind incredible spirit who was, um, you know, so instrumental in, in everything that happened. So, yeah, John Adams uh, is a great story. Now, John Adams left money in his will to build what became the Adams Academy, which was a school for boys. That was part of his will and testament. Mm, yeah. In addition in his will was his book collection, somewhere between three and 4,000 different types of books that he read, collected and wrote in. And wrote, wrote in, in and made and notes in on the margins and, arguing and commented on authors, arguing with the, authors, arguing with the yeah. authors, yeah. I mean, he was he was remarkable, what an <laughs> intellect. And he those in his will, he said those books would be left to the people of Quincy and or its corporate successor, which means the city of Quincy. Now those books back um, probably more than 100 years ago Uh, were loaned to the Boston Public Library because there were some folks, including a member of the Adams family, that felt none of people were availing themselves to see this collection, that they thought more people would see them in the Boston Public Library. And they're probably right at the time, Mark. I'm not going to argue that. However, we believe it's time to bring the books home where the president meant them to be, where they belong in his hometown.
0: In a place that would be... be
1: Yeah, so we'll take that Adams Academy, which was... Built by, as I said, money he left to build a school on the site, and he talks about that in his will on the site of John Hancock, which was his pal and friend and one of yeah. the uh, other great, great revolutionaries at the time. And uh, well, what better place to put this together and you know bring the books home and bring a group of experts together and create a presidential library for John Adams. So hey, it would be the crown jewel of all of those great historical assets we currently have. Yeah, it would. Um, and, you know, we're going to petition the Boston Public Library. And uh, I believe that we have the legal standing if it becomes tricky before a court. However, I'm hopeful they'll be good neighbors and, and understand the wishes of the president himself at the time. As, as I understand it, they've all been, is the term digitized? So they're all on, they are. Uh, you can get them through. Online through the Boston Public Library. There's all sorts of yeah, resources so, that you can look at every book. and Yeah, so yeah. they wouldn't let them out anymore anyway because of that. So it's more really of having the books for sentimental reasons, reasons for scholarly scholarly reasons. reasons, uh, And, you know, you'd you'd have someone in charge of this library that would be a conservator slash librarian, somebody that understands, appreciates what this is. And one of the goals, obviously, would be to preserve this collection going forward, preserve it in the environment, you know, Uh, never mind somebody looking at it. Uh, So, and then, of course, what else would be built around that in the library. I mean, the sky's the limit here, you know? So uh, this is just the beginning of the discussion. Now the historical society has been in the uh, Adams Academy for a number of years. I've already talked to them. Ed Fitzgerald's executive director, who's an incredible guy. And what a gem. Jim Edwards is the president. Another great guy, architectural uh, background, loves Quincy. I put them on notice, guys, this is what I'm looking to do but I wouldn't leave you out in the cold. Would absolutely accommodate the historical society at another location, perhaps the old town hall, the first uh, basement levels. Once we move into the new building next door, we won't need that space as much. We'll still keep the council chamber, the great hall, and use that for public meetings and the city council. And So there's ways to fix and accommodate uh, everybody in doing this. And and they were fine. They seemed fine with it. I, you know, they're, they're good people. And they work hard. That's another group that... You know, you talk about the nonprofits that we have in the city that work hard and, and uh, do such great work. and They do great work. They preserve our history. I mean, we get the National Park Service that tells the Adams story mm-hmm. to a large degree, but we have a lot more history than just the Adams story. Of course, yeah. So the role of the historical society really is to tell that story of the in uh, the city for over the past 400 years and yeah. before. So right. the good people, I, I intend on working closely with them. So we we got a lot of work to do, Mark. We've got, uh, we've got to bring in some consultants, some architects, some legal experts on the whole will issue and begin the process of beginning the discussion with Boston about bringing the books home. There's a lot of things to to work out here, but the idea back to my first point, the idea of an inauguration address is really more global. It's more big picture stuff. It's Mm -hmm. looking at at, um, the potential, the things we could get accomplished and, You know, we're making great progress uh, all across the city, whether you look at education, new schools, updated infrastructure, new downtown. This is the next logical step, uh, really, in so many ways, culturally, historically, uh, whatever category you want to throw it in. And isn't it great we get to talk about, like, this is,
0: there's been so many accomplishments in the past. I know you never take full claim for these. You, You share that with many people, but... You know when Street Works left, that was a that was an issue. No one knew what was going to happen. Oh no, my goodness! It's you know. Oh, bad. they many of them predicted my demise, right? <laughs> That's right. But look, here we are we're on the footsteps of uh, that new atrium is almost open. The new garage is open. That's right. The, the buildings are up.
1: We're um, making great progress, West, West and Testament. we are because we're working together. Yeah. The city Council has been a great partner. This most is- of them. And, you know, our state delegation been a great yeah. partner. Our congressional uh, delegation been a great partner. It doesn't happen with one person. Right. But at the end of the day, part of the role of the mayor and chief executive is to lay out that vision, build a team, build support for it, and then move it forward. Yeah. You know? and, and that's what I'm doing. And, uh those of you out there that uh, didn't vote for me, you're stuck with me for four more years. <laughs> what well, can I tell you? And,
0: and I know that they love to hear that because <laughs> <laughs> there's been a few uh, things that were mentioned in, uh, on social media since the
1: inauguration. No, and I'm, I'm, shocking. Only gonna, I'm only going to take the positive. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> these are really exciting things to happen. So uh it's it's a good time. time. Look at it. You know, no one ever gets 100% of the vote uh, unless you're uh, the leader of China or Russia. Uh, but in a real... Republic. No one gets 100% of the vote. There's that's always right. room for disagreement. There's always room for other opinion. I respect all that. Sure. And there's going to be a lot of that in the process. Not everyone's going to agree on every aspect of this. We'll work through it. We'll incorporate ideas into it and we'll make it... Uh, I'm not going to put anything before the council or the college board that's not sustainable, that's not affordable, that doesn't make sense. But we got to think big. We've got to think 20 years from now, 50 years from now, uh, we are a big city now. This isn't a little honky-donk Mayberry. That's right. This is the city of Quincy. Been a city since 1888. We're a major city in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, the seventh largest. we got a tremendous history. Let's be proud of that history. Let's take the city to where it should be. Be in for the 2025 that we've
0: talked about. Well, that's a great note to end on. I think uh, just to congratulations again on the inaugural. The inaugural ball was fantastic. You wore a tuxedo along with a few other folks and your, some of your other colleagues. They wore tuxes. They, and there were no penguin jokes. It was a, I it was, was it was a classed up event. It was, it was a great really, really night. I nice we appreciate Congressman night.
1: Lynch and Congressman Kennedy joining us that night, uh, along with yeah. our local colleagues, uh, obviously local colleagues and governments, so. and many people, many residents had come. It was a really great night. So
0: thank you, Mayor. Appreciate it. another edition here of. Uh, City View with with uh, Mayor Tom Koch. I'm Mark Carey, his media director, and you can find this podcast on any podcast platform. Look up Podcast Quincy. Share this with your friends, if you're, whether you listen to us on Facebook or Twitter or wherever it is, but uh, you can find us there. Podcast Quincy, City View with Mayor Tom Koch, Season 2, Episode 1.